Now listen, I don't want any more bullshit. bullshit. I know what you've been hearing. I know what you've been hearing this week, and it is all bullshit. But you know what? We're going to get into that. Before we do, Rigo was back, baby. What the fuck is up, homies? I want to welcome you, as always, fellow diehard True Blue Colts fans, to the one and only world's renowned, official, bullshit-free Colts podcast. I'm your host, Harkon Ajala, a.k.a. the Bad Boy Genius, at your motherfucking service, as always. And what makes us unique is this is the only place that you can hear all things about your beloved Indianapolis Colts, but without PR, no coach speak, no spin, no political correctness, and as always and most important, no fucking bullshit. And you know what? I'm going to tell you right now and right off the fucking bat, I want you to know we are not going to buy into the bullshit, the hating, the naysaying, the doubting, and the stupid narrative that I know you've been hearing, here's the bottom line. Your Colts are 10 and four. Your Colts beat down the Houston Texans yesterday, swept them for the year. And for the people, whoever they may be, whether it's other so-called fans, national pundits, motherfuckers on the radio, on TV, whatever. For the motherfuckers that want to tell you that your Colts got lucky, that they quote-unquote survived the Texans, that, hey, you know, they were a fumble away and all of that bullshit, fuck them. That is noise. It is not signal. Now, if you haven't already, make sure you like this video, share this video. Uh, That helps us with the uh, YouTube algorithm, and most importantly, it helps get valuable content out to real Colts fans who want no bullshit. They want the real deal, not the shield deal. And we're going to get into the signal right here. And here's why. And I'm going to say this again for the motherfuckers in the cheap seat, okay? I don't care what you hear. I don't care if they're losing. I don't care what their record is. You need to understand that motherfucking Deshaun Watson is a fucking magical fucking wizard with the fucking football, especially outside the pocket. This dude, look, other than, I'll say it like this. I'm not saying he's the best quarterback in the league, okay? But other than Patrick Mahomes, there is no quarterback scarier in the fucking league than Deshaun Watson. Now, pound for pound, I still say that, Right now, uh, Aaron Rodgers is the best all-around quarterback in the league, okay? But what I'm saying is when it comes down to just what that individual themselves can do, it's Patrick Mahomes number one, and then it's fucking Deshaun Watson, maybe not even two, maybe 1A. That motherfucker is a nightmare, especially when he gets outside the pocket. He has a fucking cannon arm. He can get the ball to wherever he wants to from anywhere. And he can do it pretty fucking accurately on the run and on the move. But even more than that, if you watch this guy, you watch game film on this fucking dude. This dude is like a fucking slippery, greased eel. No matter how, I mean, he's not even a big guy. 
He's clearly strong, but he's incredibly agile because no matter how good a grip you have on the motherfucker, he has a way of sidestepping you, shimmying, you know, olaying your ass and to where you look, you know, like a 65-year-old white dude on Dancing with the Stars, stupid, falling to the ground while he's literally scooting away from you. Deshaun Watson is a beast with a capital B and a period at the end. And this is the Bullshit Free Colts podcast, not the Texans podcast. But I'm just giving that man his just due. And so because of that, you need to understand that the idea that, oh, why didn't they blow this team out? They only won four games and they lost 30 to 6 or whatever it was last week to Chicago has no bearing. That's not fucking reality. Okay. The Colts did what they had to do. And... I said they beat the Texans' ass earlier in the podcast, and I'm, I'm standing by that. When you actually look, step back and look at the numbers and what actually happened, and you watch the game film, they beat the Texans down. It's just that Deshaun Watson is so fucking great that he can keep the team in it when they have no business being in it. And we're going to dive into that when we start looking at the actual numbers from this game. But before we do that, we need to get this shit out of the way right now. Um, you motherfuckers that didn't, let, let me just put it like this. You gonna give DeForest Buckner his just due. You gonna give him his props. And you motherfuckers nationally that didn't put him in the Pro Bowl. And first off, shout outs and congrats to the Maniac, Darius Leonard, to Ryan Kelly, and of course to Big Q56, Quentin Nelson, on making the Pro Bowl this year. They all deserve to do so. But so did Kenny Moore. Probably so did our rookie safety, but he's a rookie. I get it. And I understand, you know, I understand how you could quibble back and forth on Kenny Moore, although there's no better slot corner in the AFC. He should have made it. But the fact you didn't put DeForest Buckner, who, by the way, had three fucking sacks on a bad ankle, and only playing about one-third of the snap Sunday, three sacks by himself against Deshaun Watson. You motherfuckers that didn't put DeForest Buckner in the Pro Bowl, only thing I'm going to have to say is, you know you fucked up, right? Yeah, you know you fucked up, you little bitch. Yeah, I'm going full-on minister society on this one because that is a fucking travesty. Y'all done fucked up, and I guarantee you, over the next two games and into the playoffs, unless something crazy happens, DeForest Buckner, as cool as he's being about it, as magnanimous as he's being about it, that motherfucker's burning and he gonna make y'all pay. You know you done fucked up. Oh yeah, you fucked up. If DeForest Buckner don't make the Pro Bowl this year, then the Pro Bowl itself is a fucking joke, but we've all known that. He better fucking be all pro. He better fucking be all pro, bro. Real talk. You cannot justify not making him all pro this year. There's no better defensive lineman. There's no better interior defensive lineman in the league this year other than Aaron Donald, who really doesn't count because that motherfucker is clearly Jesus Christ reincarnated in a football suit, okay? He's not on the level of mere mortal, so he's in a class by himself. But look, DeForest ain't far behind him. Look, in a season where he's been brilliant, Sunday against the Texans when we needed him most. 
DeForest Buckner was nothing short of otherworldly on a bad ankle that two days before the game, he didn't even think he'd be able to play at all. And I fucking give him a 100% full-on standing-up salute. And you know what? Right there is the perfect time for us to jump into the segment where we break the game down on what was good, bad, and ugly. So let's jump into it. Now, what was good in the game against the Texans? Well, besides the fact that we won and it put us at 10-4 and and it put us at a 90% chance or better of making the playoffs, let's look at the individual breakdown of what people did and and let's get into the numbers let's dive into the fucking numbers because again like i talked about earlier this whole fucking narrative that they got lucky and they barely beat the texans and you know they maybe shouldn't have won all that bullshit and the defense didn't play well and all of that it's been frankly making my ass itch over the last few days i'm tired of hearing so let me break down for y'all what really went down when you look at not only the game film, but the numbers from that game. Number one, Phillip Rivers continues to ball the fuck out. To ball the fuck out. Here's a guy, 228 yards, okay? That's not incredible. But on the other hand, when you're 22 of 28 in passing, and a couple of those should have been caught, like no doubt. He should have been at least 24 or 28, averaging 8.1 yards per pass two touchdowns no interceptions only took one sack you had a quarterback rating of 124.4 uh like there's no fucking debate there jonathan taylor continues to show that it's no fluke this is not something weird happening or you know we just play teams that you know are bad against the run look these teams weren't great against the run but again jonathan turns in series for 83 yards, a 5.2 average, okay, a 14-yard long run, and one touchdown, and real talk, that five-yard touchdown run that he made is maybe the finest run. I'm going to go on a limb and say that's the finest run of the season for Taylor because if you go and you look at his patience, his vision, the fucking vicious jump cut, in the hole and then he makes another guy miss and then just runs through a motherfucker into the end zone i remember watching it and i was my mouth was on the floor and when he got to about the three 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 or two yard line i thought okay he's gonna maybe he's gonna probably come up a yard short maybe a half yard short then he just powers through the last motherfucker and the motherfucker he powered through was not a small man jonathan taylor balled out nine himes five carries 43 yards, an 8.6-yard average per carry. I mean, you can't ask for better numbers than that. You know what I mean? They put up 127 yards, total rushing. And that brings up another area where the Colts did their fucking thing Sunday and where they really shined, and they have been over the last few weeks, and that is the offensive line. The offensive line, there were five six seven eight times that philip rivers was just standing back there looking around for four or five seconds like i can't find anybody to throw to but i don't need to get rid of the ball because there's nobody within eight feet of my fucking ass i mean 
besides the fact that they ran the ball so well and they had opened up some gaping holes. Okay, but let me here's something you might not even thought about. Y'all know J.J. Watt was actually fucking playing Sunday, right? Did you even hear his name one time? He made a nice play where he tackled Taylor for like a two-yard loss once. That was a good play, but it wasn't great. Other than that, you didn't even hear fucking J.J. Watt's name. And that is fucking good offensive line play. Because J.J. Watt is been, has been every bit as good this year as he has been over his career other than a couple of years where he was just otherworldly. But that's saying a lot. That's saying a lot when you don't even hear J.J. Watt's name call in a whole fucking game. So they were doing their thing. Also, you get a 53-yard field goal kick by Hot Rod, which is great. Not only that he makes the kick, but great that he made it in a pressure situation in a big game. And you make it before you get into the playoffs because, look, we need his confidence and the confidence of the team to be rock solid going into the playoffs. We may need him. That was a great thing. Also, I'm just going to throw this in here before I leave the offense. Um, you get, obviously, another great game by T.Y. Hilton, a four-yard 71 uh, four catches for 71 yards. Zach Pascal had five catches for 79 yards and two TDs. That fucking 41-yard pass from Rivers to T.Y. on second and 20 was a thing of fucking beauty. And I mean, from the beginning of the play, the route that T.Y. ran, smooth Christmas of the route, the throw from Rivers was fucking dead shot. The catch by T.Y. in traffic was beautiful. The run after, I mean, that was a thing of beauty. So, look, they're starting to fucking cook now. The offense is starting to look scary. I want to point out to you that the Colts have a top 10 offense and a top 10 defense. Only one of three teams in the league right now that are standing like that. So, they're looking pretty good. And I'll be damned if we didn't see a uh, Kimoko Toure sighting. Toure played quite a bit Sunday. And you know what? He had pressure. He had consistent pressure. I was real happy to see that because I was starting to wonder, like, I don't know. This guy might not be the guy we need. It was great to see that. Let's dive into the defensive side of the ball for a minute. What was good there? Because, like I said, the narrative is, oh, you know, the Texans, you know, the Colts were lucky to win. They, they The Texans, you know, just absolutely blew away. The Colts' defense, the defense was trash. Well, okay, let's look at it. Deshaun Watson had 373 yards. 33 of 41, 373 yards, 9.1 yards per pass. Two touchdowns. That's great. It's fucking Deshaun Watson, though. But let me ask you this. 373 yards, but five sacks. The Colts get to this motherfucker five times. Three sacks by... DeForest Buckner alone. And then you get one and a half sacks, I think, to Nico Autry. And then Taekwon Lewis gets half a sack too, which, I mean, actually, Taekwon probably should have got another half sack, but yeah, we're splitting hairs. Either way, they got to the dude. Also, let me point out rushing. They only gave up 83 yards rushing. David Johnson had eight carries for 27 yards, only a 3.4 yard per average. And of those 83 yards, 
25 of the yards were from Deshaun Watson. Okay. So they shut the rushing down. You had David Johnson, 106 yards receiving on 11 receptions, but he's not even a wide receiver. That being said, 373 passing yards, and yet they only were able to put up 20 points. And once again, the defense held them to just six points, just two field goals in the second half. So again, you can't just you can't just look at, oh, look at these times that they have, you know, the game has come down to a fumble at the end. Well, that's just how the game ended. There was a whole lot of shit that happened the other 59 minutes. You feel me? And the other 59 minutes, the Colts made plays to basically win the game. I mean, if you when you look at the game, the Colts vastly outplayed the Texans. The fucking Texans just had Deshaun Watson, who, like I said, I don't even know if the motherfucker is a real person or if they just made him up on fucking NFL 2K or Madden. I mean, he's ridiculous. And there's no doubt if Deshaun Watson wasn't playing, the Texans would, would, the only thing they'd be competing for is for the number one pick with the fucking Jags and the Jets. So again, I told y'all last week, the other teams got dicks too. You ain't going to be the only one fucking. All right. So you got to give them some credit, but also give credit where credit is due. When a fucking team like the Colts makes a winning play, which they did. The Texans didn't just hand us a fumble. Darius the Maniac Leonard ran up in there with his ridiculous closing speed and punched the fucking ball out before QT could go into the end zone. And then the Colts defenders were like fucking Wolverines getting over to and jumping on the ball in the end zone where a fucking Texans tight end, that motherfucker ought to be docked a game check for not getting the ball, for not jumping on the ball. He's standing, the ball rolls over right at his fucking feet. But the Colts defenders wanted it more. They fucking bum-rushed his ass out of the way and took the ball. So look, I told y'all many times before, we not about bullshit here. I'm going to call the Colts out when they don't do what they should do or what they're capable of doing. When they're on some bullshit, I'm going to say so. But I'm also not too much of a pussy to give them their due when they make plays. But when they fuck up, I'm going to call them out. Just like I'm about to now when we talk about what was bad about the game. Now, there were a couple of things that were not fucking great in the game for the Colts. But I'd have to say the one thing that really stuck out that was bad is what will from now on and heretofore be known as the Jacoby series. Uh, Look, it was great to send in Jacoby and he gets... The first down on a beautiful QB sneak. Okay. And, you know, it's funny. Right after he did that, I remember thinking in my mind, hey, you know what? This, I could see why this might be the right time to keep Jacoby in for another play. And I'm telling you, before I could get that thought completely through my mind, he was in there. He was staying in there. Okay. Now, here's the thing. I understand why Frank might have been thinking that. And I, it even kind of makes sense at that point, okay? But if you're going to, because you're trying to catch the Texans off guard. But if you're going to do that, you need to have a really good play for Jacoby to run. And they ran a bootleg play. And here's the thing. 
You fucking need Jacoby to execute on the play. Now, I'm not really going to bash Frank Reich for keeping Jacoby in. Now, I do want to acknowledge that that was a crucial drive. Again, you're about the 10-yard line. You're headed in for a possible touchdown, and a touchdown at that point would have put them up 11 points and in a position to maybe really kind of lock this game down based on the way we were playing, the defense was playing, et cetera, okay? So it was risky, but there was some upside to the risk. I'm not really going to bash Reich for making the call to leave Jacoby in. Uh, and even the play they ran was a good play, but God damn it, Jacoby, I need you to execute. I'm, get, I'm, I'm saying this is bad because Jacoby didn't fucking execute. Number one, he's running around on a bootleg. He's got a blocker in front of him. Now, it's first and 10. He could have ran for four or five, maybe six yards there. But rightfully so. Again, he sees T.Y. is right there open, as wide open as you're ever going to get. And if he'd have gotten the ball to T.Y., T.Y. would have walked into the end zone for a touchdown. It would have been huge. The momentum would have been swung. It would have been beautiful. Everybody been hyped up and, you know, giving each other a reach around because Jacoby did it right. Okay, all that's fine and good. But the fucking piss poor throw that Jacoby makes, come on, bro. You got to do better than fucking that. I mean, that wasn't even close. So you throw away a golden opportunity to actually do what you intend. You caught the defense off guard. Jacoby could have just made a very simple throw and you got a touchdown. He fucks it up. So now it's second and 10. Now, so there's the first bad part, okay? Reich pulls Jacoby out, puts Phillip Rivers back in, and then he calls two like back-to-back screenplays that have very little chance of working for one reason being because the Colts have been fucking running all over Houston. Houston's still expecting a possible run at that point. So the screenplays go nowhere. And to be honest with you, the way Jonathan Taylor and Naeem Himes were running at that point, bro, on second and 10, from the 10, just fucking run the ball at least one of those two times. But I go to a run on the first play. But what you don't do is call two screens both plays of which have a chance to be negative plays if you complete them. In my opinion, like just Jacoby's non-execution there and then the two play calls after that are just really fucked up. Those are those are fucking Tiger Woods mugshot bad. <laughs> I mean, so it is what it is. You end up having this kick a field goal. It all comes out in the wash. But, you know, that was an opportunity to really kind of put a, a stranglehold on the game. And just with ex- basic execution from Jacoby or just a couple of better play calls by Reich, I think they get that done. So I got to go with that for bad. Now, as for the ugly, here's what I will say. Here's what I will say. As otherworldly and fucking magical as Deshaun Watson was, I still have to say the thing that was ugly yesterday is that the fucking Colts secondary got carved the fuck up like an eight-day-old Thanksgiving turkey you're trying to hurry up and eat before it goes bad. I mean, that was probably their worst game of the season if you really look at the film. I mean, they had 
busted coverages. They had people out of alignment. They made the wrong decisions. They didn't play routes the right way. Look, I'm the motherfucker who at the beginning spent four minutes talking about how amazing Deshaun Watson is at making something out of nothing. But there was a whole lot of fucking bullshit play in that secondary that's got to get better going forward, especially when you start talking about going into the playoffs. You know, I get it. Like I said, Deshaun Watson's amazing, but I can't even name another motherfucker in the wide receiving core of the Texans other than QT, who is just okay. So to get carved up for a second game two weeks later, that was not good. That was fucking but ugly. But like I said, in the final analysis, the Colts outplayed the Texans. They won the game. They made big plays. And and so I'm not fucking complaining here, and neither should you. Understand, when here's the lesson of this game. Here's the big lesson, really, when it's all said and done. These games in the NFL, more than any other sports league, are almost always going to be close because there's just not that much difference or distance between the teams you know even a a shit team like the Jets or the Jags as you saw in the first game of the year on a good day where some things go their way or they play well or you make some mistakes they can beat you so these games are going to always be like this the difference in the games really comes down to not only four or five plays but if you've got four or five big time players and they do what they're supposed to do. They make those plays. That's usually what's going to be the difference. You look at these two teams. On the one hand, you got Deshaun Watson for the Texans. You have J.J. Watt. Okay. Those are really their two big-time players. For the Colts, you got Rivers. You got T.Y. Hilton. You got Jonathan Taylor. You got Naeem Himes. You've got Darius Leonard. You've got DeForest Buckner. Right? You've got Kenny Moore, okay? Go back and look at the game. What happened is that those players that I just named off for the Colts, they fucking made plays. They made big plays when they had to have them. They made big plays when it mattered most. They won. That's how these things are going to generally break down. And when you look at the NFL across a season all the way to the Super Bowl, you look at which team eventually wins the Super Bowl, it is you almost always comes down to that. You need a little fortune here and there, the bounce of the ball and all that. But it usually comes down to a few plays that are made by, you know, whichever team has the big-time players that make plays in that particular game, that's the team that wins. So don't let a motherfucker try to make you apologize for not beating a team like the Texans that has an otherworldly talent like Deshaun Watson by 38 points, okay? It just rarely happens. And so that leads us into the new segment of the podcast you guys liked this last week so like i said we're going to continue it where we as opposed to what you normally get in the soft ass um honeycomb cotton candy ass generic question asking bullshit media so-called sports media we're going to jump into hard ass questions so this week's question comes from blue heart a commenter um, on the podcast, and he asked, why the hell do the Colts keep playing so much zone against Deshaun Watson and getting carved up? 
Well, um, that's a great question. And I'll tell you, it's really pretty simple. It's because, and, and, and a lot of this comes from, if you watch the game film, you can see this. And Rick Venturi, who I think is one of the best pure analysts, football analysts, and, and most honest, most no bullshit football analysts working today, he talks a lot about this. Here, here's the deal. When you play a player like Deshaun Watson, a quarterback like Deshaun Watson, um, you you kind of want to be in zone for a good portion of the time because playing man-to-man against him is really fucking risky. The reason why is, again, because the Texans have below-average receivers, especially right now, yes, man-to-man would be better, would make more sense. But the problem is when you're playing that man-to-man, Oftentimes, your back is to the quarterback. You can't really see what's happening. And it just makes it, you're like prime picking. If fucking Deshaun Watson gets out of that pocket, it opens up big holes oftentimes. And that motherfucker will take off and hit you for 40. You know what I mean? And you can't afford to have Deshaun Watson hitting you for 30, 40 yard runs. Think back to the two games that you saw the Colts play against the Texans. Yes. By playing that zone, you leave those soft openings. So it is going to make it easier for them to complete passes. But there were no 30-yard, 40-yard, 25-yard scrambles by Deshaun Watson over these last two games. He got outside the pocket, but when he did, the damage that he did to us was through throwing the ball. He wasn't running up and down the fucking field and killing you. So... That's why they play so much zone, and it worked. It had an intended effect. Now, the problem I have with it uh, is is a lot of it is just an execution. I, I felt like, for one thing, I felt like the zone was a little bit too soft. I felt like they could have played a little tighter in the zone. And the second thing is they just didn't fucking execute it that well. You know, guys were making mistakes and busting coverages, blowing coverages, and that's why you saw – some of the plays that you saw happen inside that zone. But pound for pound, it's the smartest thing you do when you're playing a player like Deshaun Watson or, or even um, Lamar Jackson up in Baltimore. you got to have your eyes on this motherfucker at all times or as much of the time as possible so they don't fucking gas you by jumping out of the pocket and taking off. You feel me? So great question, Blue Heart. Appreciate it. With that... I'm going to leave you with this 10 and four, 90% chance of getting into the playoffs. I believe that the game coming up this Sunday against the Pittsburgh Steelers is going to be one of the most interesting. And I hope the biggest win of the year for us, not only do we need to exercise some fucking demons just historically against Pittsburgh, but I just feel like going on the road and getting a win like that going into the playoffs, number one, it should clinch us for a playoff spot, I believe. And number two, just the feeling of doing it against a great coach, against a fantastic defense. It's going to be really tell us a lot about our offense. If we can go up there and get it, get the job done against that defense, I think all of that together will just put us in terms of mentally and momentum-wise where we need to be going into the playoffs. I look for DeForest Buckner to show his motherfucking ass because of the way y'all played him. And you know what? 
we're gonna get together and talk about that motherfucker hopefully it will be a big Colts win as always I appreciate you being here I will see y'all in the next one and I will say to any Colts player coach or front office person who's listening because I know some of y'all do I will say to y'all what I always say let's go win multiple more fucking Lombardis baby peace